What is going through your mind? Here we are two years after you got your first COVID vaccine shot uh, in front of the world. I can't believe, Rob, that it's almost two years. In a couple of hours, it will be two years. At that time, I didn't know I was going to be the first person. (laughs) And when that was announced, it really didn't hit me, the significance of this. And, you know, what would happen, the platform that I would have had to just be able to talk to people about, you know, vaccine, dispel misinformation, get people to um, at least do their own research and come to their own decisions about getting vaccinated. Yeah. I'll never forget that day. I mean, it was so surreal. I was in the room when you got vaccinated. And I remember the next day going into a a store and looking at the newsstand and there on every single newspaper, USA Today, New York Times, Wall Street Journal, New York Post, News, there you were. And, And that was the beacon of hope, I think. When I got vaccinated, I was hoping for a faster sprint across that finish line. But here we are now still dealing with COVID, now influenza, RSV. It's really crazy where we are right now in a much better place than we were two years ago. But still to be dealing with all of this at a time when, you know, two years ago, everybody was locked away. So we're yearning for that family time. It's the holidays and people want to get together again. And here we are, you know, going into this, having to figure out, well, how are we going to do this? There is a lot of frenzy about this triple-demic, tridemic, some people are calling it. And there's a lot of fear and uncertainty. So earlier this week, Rob and I met up with two leading experts in this space to get a better idea of what we're dealing with. Yeah, so let's let the uh, audience listen to the podcast. I'm Rob Hoyle. And I'm Sandra Lindsay. And here is our conversation with Dr. Bruce Farber, Chief of Public Health and Epidemiology at Northwell Health, and Dr. Eric Cruzen, Senior Vice President and Executive Director of the Emergency Medicine Service Line here at Northwell Health. Good morning, Drs. Farber and Cruzen, and thanks for joining Rob and I today. Dr. Farber, last time I saw you was in 2021, right after I got the vaccine, and we were educating our workforce on the importance of getting vaccinated. It's so nice to see you again. Thank you for inviting me. And Dr. Cruzen, I've read so much about the wonderful work that you're doing. It's nice to meet you, and welcome to the podcast. Thank you. We're recording this on December 13th, and tomorrow is the two-year anniversary of when I got vaccinated against COVID-19. That shot that was felt all around the world, as it was described then, and I had hoped that we would be further along. We wouldn't be dealing with so much of COVID infections going up again. Um, Plus now we are at the intersection of COVID, flu, and RSV. Dr. Farber, this convergence has been termed tridemic, triple-demic, depending on which one you want to choose. Is this tridemic something that we saw coming 
or has it been a surprise, Dr. Farber? Well, the RSV was definitely a surprise. We get RSV every year, but I don't think anyone expected a huge surge in RSV that actually started over the summer and then sort of quieted down and then surged again in the early fall. Totally unexpected, I think, and not totally understood either. Flu, I think, was an accident waiting to happen based on the poor vaccination rates as well as what's happened over the past two years. And COVID, I still believe, will continue to evolve year after year after year, and we will learn to live with it. It's also a very complicated ecology with these viruses. I don't think we totally understand, and we've certainly underestimated COVID at every step of the way. Complicated indeed. These symptoms seem to overlap. So how do you tell what what you have? With few <laughs> exceptions, you can't without testing. You can tell a couple of things. If you've lost your taste or smell, you have COVID. You don't have flu or RSV. If you have a very high fever and have been vaccinated against COVID, you more likely than not have flu. Flu tends to cause high fever, very sudden onset. Often within a matter of hours, you go from, I don't quite feel well too. I'm really sick. Um, RSV, usually less fever in the adult, although in a young child, it certainly can. And that's why we're so dependent upon molecular tests because you're hundred percent right. The symptoms overlap and it's very difficult often to tell one from another. Yeah. Dr. Cruz, and you know, they call New York City the melting pot. Um, have we seen uh, hot spots in New York City? Are we seeing certain areas that, that more people are, are being, you know, coming down with, with these illnesses? Well, the, the data I have is just down to the county level. And uh, it hasn't been too much variability uh, between the different counties. Everybody tends to go up when they go up and, and down when they go down. Um, you know, there are certain micro hot spots. Uh, that I think have always been uh, uh, particular issues, just having to do with low vaccination rates, um, not just for COVID, but also, you know, the same will probably hold true for flu. I think what's interesting now, too, is that in the beginning of COVID, there was a lot of contact tracing. It seems that, that that's fallen off. What do you do when you're sick or you or you feel like, you know, or you, you test positive for anything, or if you find out you do have the flu? Are you, should you go and tell people that you recently were with, hey, look, I got this, you should get checked out? Yeah, I think it's worth telling people because if they get sick, then they'll get tested sooner and get therapy, number one. So yes, I think that's, and I would point out one other subtle difference. It's pretty clear that COVID and influenza are spread overwhelmingly by the airborne route, either through droplet nuclei or through actual airborne route. RSV is a little trickier. RSV is much more often spread by the contact route. You'll all recall that when we started off with COVID, you know, people were afraid to, to bring in their Amazon bags and they were purelling till their hands <laughs> fell off. And I was always, you know, are you kidding? That's just not how a pandemic can only spread by the respiratory route. That's the only way it can spread. Nothing can be that contagious unless it's spread by the respiratory route. So RSV is a little trickier. I do use my Purell when I'm around somebody with RSV and hand washing and contacts are much more important in RSV than they are, just like with the common cold. The common cold is spread predominantly by contact, not by the airborne route, the way the flu is and the way COVID is. Now, we have an under-vaccinated population. Our vaccine rates for flu and for the boosters for COVID are well below other countries, Western civilized countries, and they're well below what we were doing before COVID when it came to flu. And so as a result, so far, we are seeing the worst flu season, and it's only 
December that we have seen in over 12 years. There's been almost, well, we're going to edge up towards 3,000 deaths already. There's pediatric deaths because remember flu, unlike COVID, tends to affect the newborn and young children as well as the elderly. And then there's RSV. And we don't really know why RSV, which is a nasty respiratory virus that causes a lot of harm in babies and elderly people, but mostly in babies under the, under the age of six months, is coming on so hard and so strong and so early. It's all related to COVID and what happened over those last two years and our masks that are now coming off. Well, it all sounds very scary. Should we be scared? What should we do? Well, here's what we should do. We should face this logically, and we have to face it one virus at a time. I strongly believe that everyone should get a flu vaccine, not because you can count on it preventing the flu, but it will prevent you from being in the hospital and dying. And so that's number one. Number two is you should have a, a COVID booster. Again, it won't prevent you from getting COVID, but it will keep you from being very sick. Other things that we can do. One is we were always used to, for years, you got to work. If you have the flu, you got to work. If you have a cold, you got to work. And it's time to reassess that. If you're sick and have a respiratory infection, don't go to work. Get tested. You can be treated with Tamiflu or you can be treated with Paxlovid and other medications if you have either flu or um, COVID. And also, I think that when we're in the peak and I know the masks are off and I know I'm not wearing a mask and I'm going out to eat, but I must say when rates surge as they are now and death rates are up, hospitalization rates are up, particularly in New York and California, then it's time to rethink those strategies and rethink our behavior, particularly around these holidays. Yeah, and Dr. Farber, you said that hospitalizations are up. Um, Dr. Cruzen is the Senior Vice President and Executive Director of the Emergency Medicine Service Line for Northwell. Dr. Cruzen, what's happening in the emergency rooms? What's happening in the hospitals across uh, our, the health system in, in Long Island and New York? Sure. Well, our ERs and our hospitals are busy. Um, we really first felt um, a change at our children's hospital, Cohen's Children's Hospital, when the RSV um, uh, rates started to climb. And this must be a little over a month now uh, ago. And at that point, we, we saw the volumes in our pediatric emergency department almost double. Uh, from around to 200 patients a day to sometimes, uh, you know, over 350 to closer to 400 patients per day. Um, a great many of those patients were RSV positive initially, uh, and some of those kids were pretty sick. A lot required admission to the hospital, uh, and many required uh, oxygen support, some even with a ventilator. Happily, the RSV rates, at least at our children's hospital, have started to plateau, um, but the flu rates are starting to come up. Um, looking at the data as of this morning, most of the flu positive patients are still being able to be discharged home, which is great, uh, but certainly those two viruses coexisting is something we have to be mindful of. Um, in the adult population, flu is definitely uh, on the rise. Uh, we saw a uh, doubling of our flu rates uh, week over week uh, from uh, the last three weeks running now. Um, so there, there is still an upward uh, uh, surge in the flu rates. Our COVID rates are up, but not by much. Uh, they have uh, really not come up too much from where they were uh, over the last several months. So I think right now we're probably uh, hopefully at the plateau of the children's illness 
and probably at the beginning of the peak of what the adults uh, are going to be seeing. Um, so I agree with uh, I agree with Dr. Farber that uh, this is the time to really pay attention. And when things really start to get bad, uh, getting those masks back on uh, definitely will make a lot of difference. Yeah, when we talked about a moment ago, you know, Sandra said, should we be scared? And I think the scariest thing during COVID was when we started to see the hospitalizations go up. And um, so what is Northwell doing to, to to monitor that? And how are you using technology to, to stay ahead of the curve or flatten the curve? Sure. So, so much has changed since the first wave of COVID. Uh, you know, we, you know, prior to COVID, hospitals were required every year to make a list of all of the bad things that they think might happen. You know, severe weather, uh, a terrorist attack, um, you know, uh, power outages, those sorts of things. And then they would have to make contingency plans for each of those things. Usually surge in patient volume was one of those things that was on that list. And there would be some exercises done about it. Well, since COVID's first wave, that's changed dramatically. We have an entire whole system around how we manage patient surges. And we, you know, we know what the worst case scenario looks like because we lived through it back in that first surge. So every single hospital now has an extremely detailed surge plan and has multiple levels uh, that uh, multiple levels of surge capacity that they can enter into. Um, happily, all of our hospitals are still on normal operations right now in regards to the surge plan. Um, when we reach certain levels, we begin to use other areas outside of the standard patient care areas. So you think about hallway spaces or turning conference rooms into uh, patient care spaces. And then there are certain levels where we, we would even stop elective surgeries potentially if we got that bad to be able to use those spaces for, for, for patient care. Now, we're nowhere near any of that yet, but those plans are well thought out and, and really well operationalized um, with clear triggers as to when they would be activated. To that point, we now do real-time data monitoring in a way that we never had done before. Uh, we watch our rates of all of the viruses we've spoken about, as well as our admission rates, the percentage of people who are presenting to our ERs and urgent cares with a fever or with viral syndromes. We watch all of our various metrics in real time and have automated systems that alert us if anything really is going up fast in a way that we need to respond to. And we have whole contingency plans about what we'll do in each of those circumstances. Has there, we're talking about the tridemic, right? This is the new buzzword. Has there ever been anything like this in the history of the world? No, not to the best of my knowledge. We're in pretty unique times. No. Well, so you just, you just said that we've never had this in the world, but you seem pretty calm about it. Why are you so calm about <laughs> well, this? Because we know these viruses and we know that, yeah, there's a problem, but we're going to get through them. This is not the way it was two years ago. You know, as Eric pointed out, our hospitalization rates are, and nationally they're up, but not dramatically. And our ICUs are not full of people. And we are so much better at caring for people with any of these viruses. I look at this differently, I think, than many people. And I would urge you uh, to read Dr. Fauci's farewell editorial that he wrote. And one of the things he said in it was, it's so true, which is, you know, Yogi Berry used to say, it ain't over till it's over. And he quoted him and, and said, with infectious disease, it's never over. That's the natural history. That's what Darwin described. There'll always be new infections evolving. So we just got to deal with them one at a time. So it's unprecedented, but there's not cause for panic. There's cause for hope. Absolutely. We should not panic at all. I mean, look, flu is going to end by the spring. Uh, RSV is going to end a lot sooner. And COVID is going to be COVID. 
Now, Dr. Farber, I want to go back to the COVID-19 vaccine because a a study published today, um, it was a joint study done by the Commonwealth Fund and Yale School of Public Health found that the 655 million doses of COVID vaccine administered to Americans in the past two years have stopped 18 million additional hospitalizations and 3 million additional deaths. What do you say to people who are still apprehensive about taking the COVID vaccine? Sandra, this vaccine has now been given to almost 5 billion people in the world. And as you point out, in America, millions, hundreds of millions of people have gotten it. It's so safe. It's so sad that people are still thinking that this is a dangerous vaccine. The experience is more than any other vaccine we've had. And actually, it's so much safer than vaccines we've used for 50 years in our pediatric population. So I think it's it's very um, sad that people at this point in time with the experience and knowing what's happening and knowing how this continues to cause hospitalizations. I'd also point out that the most vulnerable population we have is our elderly. And even if you do not believe that you need to be vaccinated because COVID is not that bad, you will be around elderly people, your parents, your grandparents, people you work with. That's inevitable in your interactions in life. So my, in, my answer to your question, Sandra, is please reconsider. Now that we have had two years of experience with this vaccine, it's really an amazing track record. You know, over the weekend, um, I was listening to the news and the recommendations about putting back, you know, reconsidering wearing your mask again around my loved ones and family that I know their status I feel comfortable taking off my mask but on the trains um, you know in areas where it's not going to hurt me I put my mask on although like many Americans you know you know I've slackened off a bit but after hearing the news over the weekend I quickly started donning my mask again for that same reason I live among my elderly, my mom is elderly, and I have family members who are immunocompromised. But I get the side eye. <laughs> well, I, I couldn't agree with you more. I think you said it better than I could ever say it, quite frankly. And, you know, I think you have to uh, face these people. And what you say is, I live through this. I see these people. You may think that this doesn't happen, but it happens. It's happening today. And I think, you know, that's the best we can do, which is report the truth honestly, scientifically, and not, you know, perpetuate falsehoods about this vaccine or anything else related to COVID. We know so many conspiracy theories that have come and gone throughout the early parts of COVID. And I think the one thing we can be confident about in looking back at that is they all turned out to be not true, all of them, you know. And and so I, I think that we need to stay focused on the science. As, as a civilized society, that's our obligation to our patients, our community, and to ourselves. So, Dr. Farber, I want to know what Dr. Farber does. So, New York City issued an advisory, not a mandate for mask wearing. Where do you wear your mask? Where do you not wear your mask? Sure. I do what exactly kind of what Sandra said, which is um, I pick and choose my, my, my risks and where I'm willing to take a risk. So, you know, I'm an avid 
exercise person and I can't run with my mask on. So my mask is not going to be on when I'm running, even if it's in a gym. And I go out to eat with my friends and family. But if I'm in a big crowded place, I don't know the people. I don't know who they are. There's no downside for me to put on a mask under those circumstances. It's just not worth the risk. So I, I think, you know, you have to eat, pick and choose. And I tend to do exactly what she said um, and, and go about it. And certain risks are worth taking, you know, for me to move on with my life and others are not. Dr. Cruzen, what about you? Where do you wear the mask? Where do you not wear the mask? I agree with Dr. Farber completely. This is a personal decision. Um, airports, subways, um, large crowded uh, meeting spaces. Those would be places certainly in any kind of healthcare space. Um, those are places where I'd wear a mask. But, you know, I, I I go to the mall. I walk around. I go shopping. Like Bruce, I go, to, I go out to dinner with friends. So, you know, there is no perfect strategy. Um, you know, we, we, we all remember what it was like to be completely locked down and we all hope that we never have to get there again, but there's a happy medium and you have to be flexible inside yourself. If rates go up, you may have to lock yourself down a little bit more. And if rates get better, you can loosen up. But I think what we can't do is fear. We can't, we can't live in fear of what's happening. It's just another new normal for us. We, we got through the worst part. And now we've got the intelligence to know how to watch and how to adapt to, to how this virus and whatever viruses come behind it uh, change uh, as they go. Um, so, you know, just just be an educated consumer. And I suspect whoever's listening to this podcast probably already ascribes to that concept. All right, as we come to the end of our podcast, Dr. Farber, I'd like to ask you some rapid fire questions. Can you contract flu, COVID and RSV at the same time? In theory, you can, but it doesn't happen very often. Co-infections certainly occur. I've not seen it happen with three at once, but two at once certainly can occur, but it's uncommon, probably less than two or 3% of the time. Is it too late to get the flu vaccine? Oh, no, 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 no. Please get it. Only takes about 10 days to get effective antibody. Now is the time. What shots are available right now for the flu and COVID-19? You can get um, one of a variety of flu shots. If you're over the age of 65, if you're immunosuppressed, I urge you to get the high potency flu vaccine. It's made by FluZone. You can specially request it. It's basically almost 4.5 times as potent as the regular flu vaccine. The regular flu vaccine can be used in anyone else. There's a flu, uh, a nasal live virus vaccine. We don't see a lot of use of it, but it is available to anyone between the ages of one and 50, 49 years of age. Um, and the COVID vaccine, the only one that is currently available now for boosters is the bivalent vaccine. So if you didn't get the original COVID vaccine, can you skip that and just get the bivalent vaccine? No, you would still get the two primary series and then your first booster will be with the bivalent. The only exception is in the third dose in the pediatric population for the Pfizer, in which case they can get the booster as their third primary dose. Fantastic. Rob, that was our first time co-host in a podcast. That was really cool. Yeah, I had a lot of fun. And I think what's great is that we learned a lot of good information. And for me, it just took the fear out of those words, tridemic. 
Oh, absolutely. And you know what they said about not living your lives in fear? Look, we're dealing with this right now, this triple demic of flu, RSV and COVID. But we have to live our lives. And let's face it, we're in a much better position than we were two years ago. So that was very common and hopeful from two of our experts. Yeah, absolutely. I think everybody should listen to this conversation. Oh, absolutely. You can listen to it on 20 Minute Health Talk. I'm Rob Hoyle. And I'm Sandra Lindsay. Thank you for listening.